church sing it out I see I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life all over my life tell him I see your promises I see promises in fulfillment all over my life all over my I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. And I see promises and fulfillment all over my life, all over my life. So why? This morning. Amen. Amen. His promises are coming true every single moment. Amen. Lord, I come. I confess. And bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Oh, we're thankful, Lord. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour. I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Where sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found, that's where you are. Oh, and where you are, Lord, I am free. And holiness is Christ in me. Yes, where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness. Holiness is Christ in me. Come on, sing it out, church, all over this place. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And every hour I need you, my one 
So teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way Oh, when I cannot stand, I'll fall on you. Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Oh, you're my hope and stay. Forgiveness was bought with 
the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And this altar is always open if you need prayer. Or if you need some one-on-one -on, -one on your knees with God. There's no better time than now to cry out to him. Can we continue to worship? Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. And bow down before. ups, our daily sins, our daily struggles, that we don't have to have everything together to come to you. 
take us just as we are. There is no one else like you. God, there's no one else like you. sent your son Jesus to come down into our mess to live a sinless life and to take my sins on the cross and that when he rose he defeated the sting of death and one day we're going to sing worship face to face with you Lord, as we continue our worship this morning through your word, I pray that you'll cut right deep into our hearts, that we'll be spurred to make a change, to make a difference, to seek forgiveness. And ultimately share Jesus with those around us. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. You can be seated. Welcome you to Gateway Church this morning. Now look at that person sitting beside you and tell them, we're glad you're here. Go ahead, do it. All right, now, now look at the person who now knows that, you, that they are your second choice and let them know, hey, I'm glad you're here too. Hey, we're glad that you're here and we're so thankful that uh, you've taken uh, time to be with us this, this uh, beautiful Sunday morning. Um, if you're a guest, thank you for being here. If you're a regular, thank you for being here. Uh, there's a QR code on the uh, pew in front of you. Uh, if you know how that works, you can take out your phone, you can open up the camera, you can scan that code, and uh, it will, uh, it's not a menu for a restaurant, uh, which uh, so many restaurants have now. This is actually takes you to what we call the Gateway Church Lobby. And there, you, if you're new, you can, you can just tell us that you're new. It'll ask you about three questions. Uh, if you are a regular, you can check in to let us know that you're here. You can give from there. Uh, you can get prayer requests. There's all kinds of different things that you can do right there, just like you would do in a lobby. Uh, but you can do them virtually. Uh, we are so excited that you're here. All right, let me get something taken care of. Uh, how many people are already wondering uh, what this, um, what new means? Anybody? I want to get it taken care of right now because I know you're going to sit there not paying a bit of attention to anything I say, just trying to figure out what this shirt means. Uh, as I was laying out my clothes last night, uh, which I've told you works much better if you do it the night before. Because if you don't, if you don't know what you're wearing when you get up on Sunday morning, uh, it is just a mess. Anybody agree with that? You try and you try seven or eight different things on. Okay, some of you are not vain like me. I understand. Uh, but 
uh, as I was laying it out, I thought, you know what? It feels like spring's in the air. It's right around the corner. Um, you know, in a perfect world, baseball would be starting, but uh, we don't want to go there right now. Um, but in spring, things begin to, to grow. New things begin to bloom. And uh, the Bible says in, in Isaiah uh, chapter 43, he says, Behold, I will do a new thing in your midst. And I believe that, that as we enter into uh, the spring of 2022, that God is doing new things, not only in, in, in our individual lives, but in the lives of our church. Uh, it's hard to believe that we are only uh, eight weeks. Eight weeks from today is Easter Sunday. And uh, that is just, it seems unreal. And uh, so leading into that, for the next seven weeks, we're going to start a, a series uh, that is going to lead us up to what we call Palm Sunday. And uh, how many people would say that you know what it's like to have a bad day? Anybody? You know what it's like to have a bad day. I mean, you sing the song, you know, so you had a bad day. And it's just, that's your life story. How many would say that, that you've had at least one bad day or what you would consider a bad day this week? Anybody? You've had a bad day this week. All right, hands going up everywhere. How many people would say that you've had a bad day today? Already, this morning, okay? We've got some honest people here. Uh, you, um, th that first service, they weren't honest. Nobody raised their hand. Uh, but, but I know that, that there's so many people that, you know, you couldn't figure out what to wear or, or your hair wouldn't fit just right or, or you know, you got in an argument uh, in the car on the way here or you couldn't find the parking place you wanted or, or, or you've just, the reality is, is that everyone knows what it's like to have a bad day. Everyone who has ever walked this earth knows what it's like to have a bad day. The Bible is filled with people who loved God, yet they still suffered with bad days. Now, some of those people had bad days as a result of their choices. I mean, like Adam, after he uh, ate of the fruit, or after day, like David, when he committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba, or Jonah, when he ended up in, in the belly of a fish because he did the opposite of what God asked him to do. And now these people, they had bad days as a result of their decisions. And bad days happen because there are consequences to our actions. But then there's other people in the Bible who had bad days when they did nothing to cause it. They had bad days when, when, when it seemed like they were doing everything right. Uh, when I think about in the Bible, someone uh, in the book of Job, Job was a God-fearing man, yet he suffered some bad days, if you read the book, back to back to back. And the Bible says that he, that he loved God, that he was, he was a God-fearing man. And then we go to the New Testament. Uh, the, this man that we know by the name of Jesus, the Son of God, he experienced a, a pretty bad day as well. The Friday that we refer to as, as Good Friday, which wasn't good for him, but it's good for us, was a bad day. And as we go through the New Testament, we're always looking for the words that are in red letters. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, there's certain Bibles that you can get that's called the, the red letter edition. And what that is, is as you go through and you're reading in the New Testament, anything in red are the words of Jesus. Anything in red are, are words that, that we can take to the bank, that we can live by. I mean, there's obvious ones, you know, like love the Lord your God with all your, your heart, soul, and your mind, and, and love the, your neighbor as yourself. Those are words to live by. 
There's so many of those words that are just obvious that are, you know, coffee cup quotes of Jesus. You know, bumper sticker things that we put on the back of our car. The words to live by. But then there's some that, that we often maybe overlook. And there's some that, that we bypass. Some of those that we often overlook actually were said by Jesus while he was hanging on the cross. While Jesus is hanging on the cross, when you go through the, the four Gospels, there are seven statements that Jesus makes while he's on the cross. You can't find all seven of them in one gospel, but when you go across the gospels, you'll find seven of them. And each one of these, I believe, can be a statement that can serve as life lessons for us. They can help us learn from our bad days because Jesus said them in the midst of a horrible day. This series is based uh, loosely off a, a book entitled Hope for a Hopeless Day. And over the next seven weeks, we're going to look at these statements. We're going to look at these statements that Jesus made and what we can learn or what we can take from what Jesus said. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus wants to show us how to live. Jesus was going through torture. He was going through a, a bad day. But in the middle of that bad day, he wasn't thinking about himself. In the middle of that bad day, there was something else in him. There was a joy that he had. And this verse tells us that that joy was you. That joy was me. So while Jesus was going through this bad day, he wasn't thinking about the day he was having. He wasn't thinking about himself. He was thinking about you and he was thinking about me. I want to look at this same verse in, in the message. Uh, the message is just a translation, and it's actually not a translation, it's a paraphrase. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, uh, in the message, it says, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. And then the last five words, study how he did it. Study how he did it. Because if we're going to, to live through our bad days, if we're going to learn through our bad days, we need to look at how did Jesus do it? We used to have that, that saying, that, you know, what would Jesus do? My question is, is what did he do? He experienced a bad day. Here he is on that Thursday. Uh, he, he would have his, his last supper with his disciples. And he's there and they're eating. And, and then about nine o'clock that night, he's in the garden and, and 
he sees a crowd of people coming toward him. And leading this crowd of people was one of his own, one of his disciples. And Judas, his disciple, leads them to Jesus. Jesus is arrested. He goes through a trial all night long, which was illegal. In Roman and Jewish history, you could not try someone at night. There was all kinds of things that if you read about the way that, that Jesus was railroaded to the cross that broke every law. He was tried all through the night, six different trials. Then he was tortured. He was beaten. <clears throat> then about 9 a.m., he would go to the cross. The brutality of that day. He was whipped. He was beaten. He had a crown of thorns put in his head. This day was horrible by every account. It, it makes some of our days seem maybe not so bad. But there Jesus is, and he's lifted up on the cross. And that cross slams into that hole. And he's hanging there. And the very first statement that he makes on the cross is found in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now to me, it's amazing, not only that he could say this, considering the bad day that he was having and... and because of the people that had put him in the situation. And it's amazing that he could say it, but it's even more amazing that it's the very first thing that he says. I mean, when somebody is, is, is or has done something to hurt you, uh, I can pretty much guarantee your first response isn't usually like that. Your first response is not, it's okay, Father, forgive them. I mean, if you're like me, uh, most of the time when you're in that situation, your first response is, is more uh, in the line of wanting to give them a piece of your mind. Wanting them to know that they are causing you to have a bad day. And I can imagine that as Jesus is on the cross and he looks out across these soldiers and, and the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees and all the people there, he's probably, in his mind, it's probably not looking like that they don't know what they're doing. But Jesus was teaching us the secret to forgiveness. And so today, for the, for the next few minutes, I want to talk about the, the subject or the title, forgive everyone who's trying to ruin your life. You say, Pastor, there's people out there trying to do it? Yes. There are people who feel like that it is their calling in life. It's their God, it's their spiritual gift to just mess up people's lives. At every turn, they're right in the middle of drama. Every time you turn around, they're, they're stirring it up all the time. Anybody know someone like that? Don't look at your neighbor. 
Maybe you've got a family member or, or a coworker. And as hard as it might be, Jesus gave us a preview of this statement that he made on the cross. He gave us a preview when, when, when his disciples come to him and said, Master, teach us how to pray. And in that moment, Jesus, he, he began to teach them how to pray by what we know is the Lord's Prayer. Now, we often recite that prayer, and it's fine to recite that, but it's, it's not really what it was for. Jesus was giving them a, a model and giving us a model that how we should pray. Jesus said, when you pray, you need to include forgiveness in that prayer. Father, forgive them. If you know the Lord's Prayer, forgive us, forget our debt, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Father, forgive them. Now you may be sitting there this morning and you say, Oh, I've heard this message before. And you've already turned me off. Maybe it's number one because you think that you've got it figured out. Number two is because you've got somebody that you don't want to forgive. And when it comes to a message like this, I don't think that you can hear it enough because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There are going to be people in your life who do things to you that you need to forgive that you're not going to want to forgive. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 10, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Does that sound like the world we live in today? People being offended, betrayed, and having hatred. Luke 17, 1, it says, Then he said to his, to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. Jesus is saying, There's no way that you can walk on this earth and not have somebody hurt your feelings. Not have someone do something to you that's not right. But here's what we have to understand about unforgiveness. Unforgiveness does absolutely nothing to the other person. The other person couldn't care less whether you forgive them or not. Because remember, they feel like it's their responsibility. It's their God-given thing just to mess your life up. They don't care if you don't like them. They don't care, but it destroys us. We somehow think that, that if we hold a grudge or, or we hold unforgiveness, that we're punishing the other person. Well, I'll show them. I won't talk to them. Well, I'll show them. I'll ignore them. Well, I'll show them. I'll send them nasty messages. They don't care. And the reality is, is we're not punishing them at all. When you don't deal with forgiveness, when you don't give forgiveness and you have unforgiveness in your heart, when you don't deal with it the right way, it becomes a, a bitter root. And it says it'll spring up and it'll take hold of your life and it will choke the life out of you. It will destroy your life. I, I've known many people who've lived their lives filled with bitterness. Good people, people who are doing everything they can to serve God. 
People who are doing everything that they can do. They want to be Christ-like, but they have that one person, that one situation, that one thing that they can't get past. They can't forgive. Can I tell you, Jesus understands how you feel. In a, in a matter of 12 hours, from 9 p.m. to 9 a.m., Jesus went through a lot of stuff. And when we look at it, he had about five horrible things that happened to him at the hands of people. The very first we talked about just a minute ago, it was betrayal. I mean, one of the people that he had poured his life into, one of the people that was extremely close to him, sold him out for silver. I mean, it didn't even take gold. He said, I'll just take the next step down. I'll sell him out for silver. You know what it feels like when someone that you've done everything for, someone that you have bent over backwards for, someone that you've never really did anything but love, they stab you in the back. I mean, can you imagine? They're coming to arrest you. And you look up, and it's one of your friends that's leading them to you. And then he kisses you. He says, that's him. Some of you have experienced that in your life. Someone that you love deeply has let you down. Someone that you care about. Someone that you're close to. They've betrayed you. That's where betrayal happens. You see, betrayal is, is, doesn't come from people we don't know or people that we don't care about. That's not betrayal. Real betrayal happens when it comes from someone who you love, someone that you're close to. That's when it really hurts. Not only was he arrested he went through six illegal trials. And in those trials, people said things about him that were not true. They began to twist his words and, and they fabricated allegations. And so that was the second thing that Jesus went through in this 12 hours was false accusation. There were no facts in what they said at all. I mean, it's one thing if someone comes to you and accuses you of something and, and you say, okay, yeah, I did it. But it's completely different when people are accusing you of things that are lies. They're accusing you of things that are, that are just made up. You've been falsely accused. They were misquoting Jesus. was falsely accused. He went through false accusation. And that's happened to us. People have said things about you that just aren't true. They've said things that, and they don't know the story. Or they've taken something that you've said and they've, they've twisted it and made it into something that it wasn't. And then in that moment, he's in these illegal trials. People are, are misquoting him, saying things that aren't true. And you would have thought that 
somebody would have stood up for him. You would have thought that, that Peter, James, or, or, or John would have come out and said, wait a minute, that's not true. Wait a minute, you're, you're misquoting him. But they didn't. Can you imagine what that felt like? Can you imagine what it felt like to know that, that, that Peter looked at a little girl and said, I don't know him. I don't know what you're talking about. Can you imagine the rejection that it must have felt, that he must have felt in that moment? Some of you are sitting here today and, and, and you have felt rejected. You've had things happen and, and no one's come to your rescue. You've had things happen and it seems like that no one cares. In this moment, it seemed like to Jesus, it had to seem like, hey, I'm getting ready to hang on this cross and really nobody cares. Nobody cares what I'm going through. Nobody's standing up for me telling the truth. Because Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully human. He felt everything that we feel. You've been there. Nobody cares. You've had those moments. You just sit down and have a little pity party. It's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Nobody cares. You've had those Eeyore moments. Maybe something's been said about you on social media. And social media can, is a 21st century form of rejection because you can say anything you want. People can say anything they want to say about you. It doesn't matter if it has, I mean, we know if it's on the internet, it's true, right? And you felt that rejection. I mean, people have even ended their lives because of something that was said about them through social media that wasn't even true. Feeling rejected is, is people's, one of people's biggest fears. If you ever hear somebody say, I don't care what people think about me, they're lying. Because that's not in us. Everyone wants to feel accepted. We hate feeling rejected. We hate feeling like nobody cares or that we're all alone. So about 9 o'clock in the morning... Jesus is going through the brutality of crucifixion. And we read all throughout the Gospels how much he suffered and the abuse that he suffered. He went through horrible abuse. Physically, they beat him. The cat of nine tails. They pushed a crown of thorns in his head. They pierced his side with a spear. They put nails in his feet and his hands. The book of Isaiah says that he was beaten beyond recognition. His own mother didn't and couldn't even recognize him. That's how much he was abused. His face and his body were torn to shreds. But not only was he abused physically, he was also abused mentally. They begin to make fun of him and, and call him names and, and, and look down on him and, and scoff at him. I and mean, they even gambled for his clothes. And the last thing that he felt was humiliation. 
You see, when you were hanging on that cross, it wasn't just enough that you were being sacrificed, that you were being crucified. The cross wasn't only about death, but they did it where everyone could see because they wanted you to be humiliated. They said often people were crucified naked, hanging there in shame, Everybody looking and and you being completely humiliated. And Jesus went through all of that, not just to go through it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, it's obvious, of course, that he didn't go to all this trouble for angels. It was for people like us, children of Abraham. That's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then, when he came before God as high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing, and would be able to help where help was needed. The writer of Hebrews is saying, he understands. There's nothing that you go through that he doesn't understand. There's nothing that you're going through that you can't pray to him that he doesn't get. He says, I'm there to give help where help is needed. And many of us need help when it comes to forgiveness. Because when it comes to forgiveness, there is nothing inside of you that's going to feel like forgiving. As a matter of fact, it takes an act in your mind. That's what has to happen first. You have to make up your mind, I'm going to forgive. Before your emotions can ever take over, it has to happen in your mind. Because your emotions aren't going to want to give forgiveness, it's going to want retaliation. You're going to want to get back at that person. 1 Peter 4, 1 says, Since Christ suffered while he was in his body, strengthen yourselves with the same way of thinking that Christ had. The same way of thinking that Christ had. But that's the problem. That's the reason that we don't forgive. That's the reason that we hold grudges in our hearts. That's the reason that we get up in the morning and we go to bed at night with that thing, that situation, that person eating away at us because we can't and don't think, we can't allow ourselves to think the way that Jesus thought. We think about forgiveness the wrong way. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of things that we think forgiveness is that it's really not. The first thing that forgiveness isn't is it isn't minimizing the seriousness of the offense. The hurt that you feel, it's real. The pain that you experience at the hands of that person, it's there. And God isn't trying to minimize the seriousness of the offense. God isn't saying, oh, oh, it's just not a big deal. Just forgive them. Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that they didn't hurt you greatly. 
Just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that it wasn't harmful or painful. Forgiveness, secondly, is it's not reconciliation. Now, I might get a little bit of, uh, of pushback on this. But in order for forgiveness to happen, you do not have to go to that person and make it right. Now, ideally, you, you, you can do that and you should do that. But forgiveness and, and reconciliation are not the same thing. Reconciliation is a two-person thing. In order to be able to reconcile with someone, you have to have their cooperation. But if we make it a condition, if we make reconciliation a condition for forgiveness, then you're being held hostage by the very person who hurt you in the first place. They don't want you to be free. And if you make reconciliation a condition for forgiveness, they are determining how free you get. Reconciliation is a two-player game. Forgiveness is a one-person game. It's a one-player game. It is, I decide to forgive regardless of what you do. I decide to forgive regardless if you ever say you're sorry or not. I decide that every day when I get up, I'm going to say, Father, forgive them. I decide every day when I get up, Father, I'm going to let this go. It's not reconciliation. Next, it's not about doing what is fair. Have you ever had, maybe you have two, two kids and you tell them, go, go apologize. And they say, it's not fair. They did it to me. I shouldn't have to do that. It's not fair. Anybody ever heard that? It's not fair. You ever heard people tell you it's not fair? Forgiveness is not about doing what is fair. If there's one thing that you or I should not want in our lives, it's for things to be fair. Because if we start going down that road, then you're, you or me are going to have to pay for our own sins. Because there's nothing that's fair about what Jesus did to pay for the sins that we committed. C.S. Lewis says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. To forgive the inexcusable. Think about that for a minute. People have done things to you that seem inexcusable. Forgiveness isn't about giving someone what they deserve. It's about giving someone what they need. God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we need. That's forgiveness. We don't deserve it, but he gives it. The next thing we need to know about uh, misconception about forgiveness is it's not impossible to do. You may be sitting here this morning and you say, but pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Pastor, you don't know what they put me through. You don't know what they said about me. 
You don't know what they cost me financially. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And the devil has convinced you that the, the offense is so great that you can't forgive, that you can't do it. Well, can I tell you, he's right, you can't. But Philippians 4.13 tells us this, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You can't do it in yourself. You don't have the strength. It's not in your nature to forgive. But that strength comes from God. It comes from when you get so close to God and you allow Him to take the offense, the hurt, the pain. You forget about the other person. You forget about the situation. You put your trust and your faith and your hope in Him. And as you begin to draw closer to God, He will give you abilities to do things that you do not have in and of yourself. He will allow you to do things that, that you will look at and say, I didn't know I could do that. I didn't know I could, I could accomplish that. Well, it's not you, but it's the strength that comes through Him. You'll say, I didn't know I could ever forgive like that. But what happens is, is when you get the joy of God in your life, you can do things that you never thought you could do. The power of God can change your life. Say, Pastor, how do I move past this? What do I need to do? I, I, I always want to try to give you practical things that you can do scriptural, practical things that you can do. Today, what can I do to, to move past this offense? How can I forgive? The first thing that you need to do is you need to pray for them. Pray for them. Yeah, that, that person who hurts you, you have to pray for them. Now, I was going down the, the road the other day, and I, I heard a song come on. It was about uh, a guy and a girl. It was a guy singing, and um, they had broken up. And he said, I went to church yesterday, and, and the pastor got up, and he was preaching about forgiveness. This is all in a song. And the pastor told me that I had to pray for you. And he said, I do. I pray for you all the time. I pray that your brakes go out when you're going down a hill. I think it says, I pray that a vase falls from a windowsill and hits you in the head. That's not the kind of praying we're talking about. I'm not talking about praying for bad things to happen. Matthew tells us in chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor, and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Whew. How many people wish you'd have stayed in bed this morning? Didn't know the pastor was going to be so rough. That means that you actively say, I forgive them. That you actually and actively pray for them. You ask God to change their life. You ask God to, to do a work inside of them. Listen, they, never, they may never respond to the call of God. 
Their life may never change because they don't accept what Christ is offering. But when you begin to do that and pray in that way, it may not change their life, but it'll change yours. You've got to pray for them. Secondly, you have to bless them. To bless means to speak well of. To bless means to, to not let a bad word about them come out of your mouth, privately or publicly. Now that's tough. Let's just be honest. We're, we're all, everybody is 100% human here, right? You've had that hurt, and you know what feels better than anything when you've been hurt? To find somebody and vent. To find somebody and to tell them the way that you feel about that person because this, listen to what they did to me. We all have those people in our lives. I was very close to all four of my grandparents, but there was one grandparent, and she loved God, but, but she had a hard time getting past things. And so me being a great-grandson and, and a pastor, I was always trying to help her get over it. And the way I would do that is, is, is we would go to visit and I would just wait for the right time, and, and I would just want to see if she was over it. I would just mention the name. And, buddy, it was like I had a little firecracker. And she'd start going down. You remember what I mean? We're talking things that happened 10, 20 years ago. Now, part of me, you know, if, I, if I'm being pastoral, I'd say I would did it because I wanted her to see if she was over it. Probably... Being more honest, it was because I loved hearing it. I loved seeing those veins pop out in her head, and it, it, it was awesome. Bad grandson. Luke six twenty seven and 28 says this, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Romans twelve fourteen. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Speak blessings, not curses. Pray for those who curse you. If you'll do what God tells you to do, your lives will change. Third thing that we can do, do good to them. Figure out a way to do something good to them or for them. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 through 21 says this. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what, you, to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. It says, when you've got someone who has done something against you, be good to them. Be nice to them. And this verse says it, it, it will, 
It'll make them feel guilty. You, have you ever had that, that person? Uh, I love doing this. I, man, I'm just being too honest this morning. People who I know said things about me or done things, and, and, and I love nothing more than to see them at Walmart. Now, most normal people, you would try to go down the different aisle. Not me. I'm going to go up. I'm going to shake their hand. I'm going to put my arm around them. I'm going to tell them I love them. I'm going to tell them if there's anything I can do for them, and I'm going to watch them squirm. That's what I'm going to do. That's what this verse says. It says, you, now you have to have the right motive. Sometimes my motive may not always be pure. But when you see these people, it says, if they're hungry, feed them. Whatever they're going through, help them. If they need clothes, clothe them. When something bad happens, turn it around and do something good for them. That's how the world's going to know that we're different. That's how the world is going to know. It says, how will they know that you're my disciples? And it's by the love. You have the power of God in you. If you're a follower of Christ, you have the power of God in you to do it the way that Jesus did. We all have people on that list. Some of you may have a list from 1 to 20 in the order and the date that you were hurt. We all have that list of people who have done us wrong. But when you look at that list, it has to be people that you need to be able to pray for, that you need to be able to bless, and that you need to be able to do something good for them. You have to be able to put what Matthew chapter 10 verse 8 says, freely you have received, freely give. It isn't easy, but it's doable. It isn't easy, but it works. There's one thing that will make it easier. And it's to realize that Christ forgave us. When we look at the way that he has forgiven us, we know that we'll never have to forgive anyone more than God forgave us. You will never have to forgive someone more than God forgave you. It's been said that the forgiven forgive. The forgiven forgive. We have the power of God working in our life. Bringing a message like this is hard and it's encouraging at the same time. One of the most powerful things I can lead you to do is to daily forgive people. He said, Father, forgive them. We all have those people that have offended us, that have betrayed us, that have accused us falsely, that have rejected us, that have abused us, that have humiliated us. We have to come to the point that we are able to do what Christ did on the cross. Father, forgive them. We have to let it go. Why was it the first thing that Jesus said on the cross? I believe because in that moment, he understood and realized that if he didn't forgive, that he wouldn't be able to do on the cross what he was supposed to do. If he held that bitterness in his heart, 
of what he felt emotionally for those people who were doing it to him, he had to let it go. We need to pray that God will bless these people and that, that God will show us ways that we can do good to them. And as you sit here today, you may be thinking and wondering, what can I do? You have to begin to examine yourself. Examine your heart. You know the situation or the people. You know the people that when their name is mentioned or the situations that when they're mentioned that your blood pressure goes to unhealthy levels. You know that person in your heart that you've been holding that grudge against. And today the challenge is, can you do, or not can you do, because you can through Christ, will you do what Christ did on the cross when he looked at everyone around him? When he was going in, in the middle of the worst day imaginable. And he was able to say, Father, forgive them. I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. The enemy wants to do everything that he can do to keep you bound. He wants to do everything that he can do to keep you from taking this statement that Jesus made on the cross and allowing it to become words to live by. It's so easy to overlook this because as, we're, as he's going to the cross and, and we begin to, to think about just the final, the end. We think about, you know, when he said it's finished and, and he's taken down and putting in the, put in the grave. As we're leading up to Easter, that's what we're always thinking about. But for the next six weeks after this, we're going to, to closely examine the s six more statements that he made while he was on the cross. But before the, any of those can take effect in our life, we have to be willing to forgive. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, i got a problem. I've got those people in my life that I just I can't forgive. I've got those people in their life, they've hurt me so bad. They've done me so wrong. I'm doing everything that I can do to, to follow Christ, but, but, but I just can't get past it. It may be a family member. It may be a, 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 a loved one. It may be a friend. It, it may be any, anyone who is holding, that you're holding something against in your heart. Pastor, that's me. That's me. Pastor, I, I want to, to be able 
to do what Christ did on the cross. Would you be man or woman enough just to slip up your hand and say, that's me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We've all been hurt. We've all had things in life that But I can tell you, assuredly I can tell you, that through Christ you can move through it. Through Christ you can do things that seem impossible. And you may be standing there right now and saying, Pastor, I, I can't. You can, through Him. Would there be anybody else? Father, I pray right now that you will heal every broken heart. God, there's no doubt there are people gathered here today and, and people watching today who have pain so deep. Pain that only you can heal. God, I pray that you heal the scar of that wound. God, as we hand it over to you this morning, God, we can't do it on our own and in of ourselves. God, we give it to you. You can take care of it. Father, I pray that you will heal us of all the pain, of all the hurt, God, we're, we're not going to forget about it because we're human. But God, we can forgive. We can move on. God, help us get to a point in our lives that we're able to pray for, to bless, to do good for those who hurt us, those who persecute us. God, for those who raise their hand right now, do a work in their lives. God, may they leave here freer than they've ever been. God, may we truly learn how to forgive. You may be here this morning and maybe you're not a follower of Christ. You've never asked for or experienced the forgiveness that Christ gives freely. And I can tell you that if you've not experienced that, then um, you, you can't experience this message because it doesn't make any sense. You can't experience this message and, and you can't give the forgiveness that you don't have within yourself. You need the forgiveness of Christ. If you're standing here today and you've never made the decision, you've never asked for, for that forgiveness, you can experience that right now. You can experience that simply by saying, Father, forgive me. Just as he said in the Lord's Prayer, forgive my debts, forgive my sins. You see, that comes first. Forgive my sins and then I'll forgive those who've sinned against me. So it's very simple. You just ask for forgiveness. 
Ask him to be Lord of your life. Ask him to lead, to guide, and direct you. And once you experience that forgiveness, then that's freely given to you, you'll be able to freely give forgiveness as well. Father, I pray for anyone here today that has never experienced your forgiveness. God, they've came in and, and they're, they're, they're hurting. God, they, they feel lost and alone. And God, they feel condemned. And even though that, that condemnation doesn't come from you, God, that's the way they feel. Father, today, as we pray this prayer, Father, forgive us. Forgive me of my sin, of my transgressions, of, of the things that I've done that aren't pleasing to you, of the ways that I've, I've disobeyed you and have disobeyed your word and your will. Father, forgive me. God, I want to be free. Father, we love you. God, I thank you for the freedom that we feel in this place today. The freedom that can change our lives forever. May we leave here today different than we were when we came in. May we walk out of here walking in freedom given by you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Can we close in this simple course? I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation. Let it all go. I see it now. I'm laying it down, and I know that I need you. I run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Leave here today knowing that you can run to Him and that when you run to Him and you draw close to Him, that He will give you strength to do things that you don't think you can do. And one of those are forgive. Thank you for being here. We love you. Uh, if you're a guest, thank you for being with us. I would love to, uh, to, to talk with you out in the, the lobby. We've got a, a gift for you. Uh, we're excited about what God is doing. Don't forget our life groups. Uh, they're happening all week long. Uh, they start uh, tonight and go through 
uh, I think there's one on Thursday. There's all week. There's service groups. You can find them downstairs. You can find them on our life uh, website, or you can find them on the bulletin board out here at the back. But get involved. Uh, and when you do, you'll find that the, the beauty of community uh, will help you in your day-to-day walk. Have a great Sunday.